0: Thank you so much, choir and Pastor Tyler. Yesterday, I made a startling discovery. Perhaps it's something that you already knew. On Saturday afternoons, in football stadiums across the United States, there comes about a transformation of sorts wherein you're no longer just watching a ball game, but that in front of your very eyes, That stadium where you yell, go dogs, or roll tie roll, or of course, go paladins, turns into a sanctuary of sorts. People across all different stripes and strides begin to pray, especially when the team of your heart is struggling a bit. And oh, how the paladins were up against it yesterday. My dear friend from college and fraternity brother Nathan Hatcher and I were in attendance as the Furman University Paladins took on the University of Tennessee Chattanooga Mocs for what was to be a share of the Southern Conference Championship. And the brakes were beating the boys. Those pesky individuals that wear the striped jerseys, you know who I'm talking about? They were exercising demons inside of Pastor Hughes. Taken away very well-earned interceptions, turnovers, tackles for loss. It was all their fault, of course. But at halftime, and in fact, into the very end of the game, the team at Purple was behind. Now, I'm not going to say that I prayed that Furman would win. But I am going to say that there were moments in which I took pause and I Looked heavenward, opened up my hands as such, and perhaps just let out exasperated sighs of sorts. But wouldn't you know it, the team in purple came from behind, made a thrilling comeback victory, and I say unto you today, wearing purple, now hold at least a share of that Southern Conference Championship. We're destined for those FCS playoffs, and who knows what else? Did such events come about because I prayed? Bulldog fans, did you beat Missouri yesterday because you prayed? How about those who represent the Crimson Tide? Did did you best those pesky Bayou Bengals because you prayed? I know at least one behind me, Dr. Larry Frazier, would say, Well, David, I was praying too that LSU would beat the tide and that we would be heralded today as victors. I guess the question in my heart and mind is do our prayers change God's will or do our prayers allow us to accept God's will? There are three types of God's will, as outlined by the great theologian Leslie Weatherhead. There is the intentional will of God, God's ideal will for humanity. There is the ultimate will of God, God's final realization of his plan. And then there's this, the circumstantial will of God, God's plan within certain situations now it's there my friends that I would contend that you and I can influence and affect the will of God various things are at play and for that reason Jesus includes this as his final part in the Lord's prayer when his disciples asked him rabbi teach us how to pray he said don't forget this last part Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I quite like how Dallas Willard outlied that segment that was written in your bulletin. You yourselves said it. It echoes in effect, Father, may nothing bad happen to us. Deliver us. We don't want to endure temptation. We don't want to face and confront evil. We would like for things to go our way for ourselves and for those we love, but as much as we say it, hoping to help God's will, echo that reply, we also say in as much, but should temptation occur, but should we have to endure evil, we will trust and we will know that the same Heavenly Father, hallowed be his name, our Heavenly Father, always near, will guide us, use us, and in fact direct every temptation and trial so that in ultimate benefit it will be for those and their good who call on the name of the Lord. There was a prayer request lifted up to me today. It was actually by my daughter. This past week, Maggie and her friend Adeline Fannin came to me with a request that looked like had been bathed in fervent prayer. At Wednesday night supper, as I sat down, Maggie, you and Adeline came up and you said, Daddy, it would would make my heart so happy if you would allow Adeline to come over and spend the night tonight. Well, I looked at that precious daughter of mine, my one and only, those beautiful brown eyes in front of me, that tender little lip pouting forward, and in one fell swoop, I crushed her hopes and dreams by saying, no, are you crazy? It's a Wednesday night, I'm about to do Bible study, and we got chores to do when we get home. Maybe in that instance, God's will was just to be accepted. I don't know where you are in praying today, but I'm sure there's some part of you that's praying for good things to happen and bad things to be averted, and that's not a selfish plea. God welcomes that into his presence while also asking us to trust him. For should we have to encounter temptation, it has a purpose. Now, unlike many, I believe that temptation goes beyond sex, drugs, and rock and roll. We used to say it in Pickens County, South Carolina, in the following way, don't dip and chew or go with girls that do. And if you're from Pickens County, you don't know how true that statement is. I think temptation, as allowed by God and different from our plainful disobedience, is something that he allows us to encounter so that we might realize that for every strength we have, there's a corresponding weakness. For every light in our heart that comes from God's hand and is planted within our hearts, there's a shadow. In fact, I believe many of us have shadow selves that exist within, myself included. These shadow selves are things that have to be illuminated for us to see them and know that they are false narratives for our lives. It's not our true identity. For example, while the community we live in, the nation we live in, even ourselves will praise words such as hard worker, high expectations, and healthy self-confidence, all strengths, all light, God uses temptation to say there's a shadow side to each of these. And if we are not careful, we'll fall in league with the wrong way. For example, I'm a hard worker. I get the job done, undeniably a strength. But the shadow side is, I'm a workaholic, and the job doesn't get done without me. I have high expectations of self and others, strength, undeniably. But the shadow side is, I have unrealistic expectations of self and others that neither they nor I could ever fulfill. Strength. I have a healthy self-confidence. Shadow, I'm overly confident in myself and my abilities. And I believe I can change any circumstance or person all by myself. You see, we pray rightfully so that God would lead us not into temptation. We don't want to fall in league with them. But in the moments in which God says no to that request, it's so that he can say yes to showing you and me the false way of living, the shadow side to discourage us from the wrong and encourage us to the right so that when we say no to temptation, which all of us have the power to do, We likewise hear God's voice applauding us all and saying, yes, that's it. That's who you really are. That's who you're meant to be. But what about trials? What about those things that we go through which we feel like evil is winning? That's certainly the case in Acts chapter 12, verses one through 19. Herod, a cruel despot, is having a heyday with those who are followers of the way, the church. He's already put one of the disciples, James, the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee, to death with the sword, and it was met with wide-scale political approval. So much so that Herod says, well, I'll do you one better. I'm going to arrest Peter, and I'm likewise going to put him on trial, and I'm likewise going to put him to death. It looked like evil was not only winning it looked like the church was not going to be delivered But then the church does something radical something that i think we believe is radical but perhaps in our common sense day in this post-christian america we don't always reflect that with our practice the church comes together and they pray what did they pray I imagine they echoed something that we're studying today. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver deliver us from evil, Lord. Specifically, deliver Peter from evil. I'm sure as they did that, they, they could not understand the cosmic things that God was putting into place so that Peter would be liberated by an angel in what he thought was a dream, and then brought to the very house where that church was praying. Now, what's interesting is the church's response to when Peter knocks on the door. Rhoda, the servant, hears his voice and is so excited that she doesn't even let Peter in. She goes back to tell the others, It's Peter. He's outside awaiting us. To which they say, Girl, you crazy. That's his angel. You see, inside the church house, they were already writing the obituary for Peter, perhaps believing he'd already been executed, and that presence outside is but a ghost. But no, as she insists and persists, the church themselves goes to see, and as they allow Peter to come in, they behold the truth that even though they experienced a trial... God ultimately was going to deliver them from evil. Now hold on to that because it is of utmost importance for you. I know here in these pews, there are many people going through a trial. Perhaps it's a diagnosis. Perhaps it's a professional difficulty. Perhaps a relationship has ruptured. Perhaps someone has passed away unexpectedly. You are in a trial and you fear that evil is winning. But make no mistake about it. The presence of a trial only assures that evil is not only being defeated, but that God has already won. There is something on your way in life that is going to deliver you. And in God's mystery... It could form itself with the answer yes, and it could likewise be the answer no. But in ultimate trust, just as Peter got up, followed the angel's voice to the next destination, so you too will be called. and You too will be called to rise, and you too will be taken to a place where you will see that God always answers prayer perhaps in the way we want it perhaps in the way we don't but rest assured whether through temptation whether through trial God will deliver us and take us exactly where he wants us to go and transform us into exactly who he needs us to be For you today who are hearing this sermon, I pray that that gives you comfort. I pray that as you lift up the prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, you are reflecting the desire of your heart for yourself and others while ultimately putting your utmost hope and confidence in the hands of God that evil will not prevail in your life or corporately amongst those that are gathered here today. Our hope and our prayer is built on no less than a power, a power that is Jesus Christ himself, who not only taught us to pray this prayer, but himself prayed it in the Garden of Gethsemane on the eve when his life was to be taken from his hands. He said, if it's your will, Father, take this cup from me. But if it isn't your will, I take this cup freely and I drink from us. For I know that within my obedience to your will, ultimately, you will make sure that that you deliver me from evil. And oh, how that was true. On the third day, when everybody thought that evil had won and it was over, God showed once and forevermore that through the power of the resurrection, In your life, in as much as it's Jesus' life himself, he has the final word. And in trusting him with that power, we say, God, in the immediate, whether your answer to this request be yes or no, whether I be liberated from this prison today, tomorrow or never, I trust with all my heart that you will overcome evil and I will be set free even from the power of death. For that reason, our prayer, as much as this series, ends with the word amen. But make no mistake about it, amen does not signify the end of the prayer. Amen is not... The service is over, praise God, and pass the fried chicken. Amen is an exclamation. Amen says that the power is yours and always will be exactly as it should be. Amen is a yippee, is a hooray. Amen is an exclamation point that is greater and more fun than any Shouts you might have left out at a ball game yesterday, which is why your voice is hoarse today. Amen is but a continuation in which we go from the bottom of the prayer to the top again, beginning an ongoing and continual conversation with our Father who art in heaven. So for all of you today, that need an exclamation on your life. Maybe it's death. Maybe it's hardship. Maybe it's temptation. Maybe it's trial. Pray in the following way. God, lead us not into temptation. But if we are to be tempted, tempted, may it be so that I can see the shadows within and live for you instead. God, deliver us from evil, but when we experience trials, may we also know it's so that we can be transformed into the people who trust that you will always deliver us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.